The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. I don't want a thimble full of joy in heaven. I don't want a glass full. I want a ship full. I, yeah, you know, and I'm going to stretch my soul's capacity to believe God more, trust Him more, so that in heaven I'll have even more joy and opportunity to worship Him. You know her voice. Johnny Tata is our first person guest. Welcome. I'm Wayne Shepherd. In a wheelchair since a diving accident in her teens, Johnny's story has inspired millions to persevere in the circumstances of life and most importantly, do it out of love for the Lord Jesus Christ and the hope he gives. We'll talk with Johnny about her life and we'll turn to that conversation in a moment. Thanks for listening to First Person, which is made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company. For 75 years, FEBC has been proclaiming the gospel of hope to many nations of the world, some that have very little opportunity to hear the love of God. Each year, millions of people respond to the teaching of God's Word with grateful hearts. There are amazing testimonies of lives changed, and you can view many of them at a newly designed website, febc.org. Join us there, febc.org. Although we see each other from time to time, it's been a number of years since Johnny Tata and I have had a chance to sit down for an extensive conversation. But at a recent meeting of broadcasters in Nashville, we found time together and picked up right where we left off. Your listeners should know that we are best friends over the years, <laughs> many years of connecting yeah. uh, in the media. So I remember you. sitting down with you and Ken, I think it was the first interview you had done together. That was years ago. I may be wrong, but I remember the two of you in the studio with me. So Yikes. Okay. This must have been at least 38 years ago. <laughs> is it, has okay. it been that long? Yeah. Well, do I look that old? <laughs> not, not at all. No. I, I, you know, neither one of us is aged a bit, right? Mm-mm. Okay. <laughs> neither you know, I cover us. my grave. You do not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I gave up long ago. Good. <laughs> I gave up. Well, tell me, so, you're so well-known and so well-loved, and your story is so well-known, Johnny, and I want to I explore some of that, but just tell me something about you that we don't know. Can I, can I uh, plow new territory here? Well, you could probably hum the first uh, five notes of any song, popular song from the 60s, and, and I'm going to include country music, and I would probably know it. Okay. Uh, in fact, this is kind of fun. Real is that quickly. right? Oh, yeah. Um, we run at Johnny and Friends uh, retreats for special needs families. Mm-hmm. We'll have uh, 49 in the U.S. this summer. These are five-day retreats for families affected, struggling with disability. 49 of them? Yeah, and 47 in developing nations where we provide uh, five days of uh, respite care, Bible studies, games, activities, uh, one-on-one counseling for Couples struggling with disability, uh, sibling rivalry, where there's a child with a disability, all kinds of things. But we have a family fun night, a couples night. And um, I was at one family retreat last year, and uh, Elvis didn't show up. He was supposed to show up and entertain the moms and dads. Okay, so... I know where this is going. Right. So they looked to me for entertainment. And I said, I I can't replace Elvis. So I got up there, and I said, okay, we're going to play a game. I'm going to sing like the first five notes of a song. From the 50s or 60s, because the audience was mostly, you know, in their mm-hmm. 60s, whatever. And so, do wang, do wang, do wang, <laughs> do wang, do wang. An arm shoots up out and they went, he's so fine. The Shirelles, you know, it was, it was so much fun. So, that's something that people don't know okay, about me. Okay, thank you. I wish that I 
knew as many verses of scripture and... Uh, <laughs> Well, but, that says a lot because you know a lot of scripture and you know a lot of hymns too because you always impress me with your hymn knowledge. I do. Yeah, I, I love hymns, uh, Wayne, because uh, to me, the timeless hymns, and we're talking about uh, Bernard of Clairvaux, what, from the from three 400 AD, um, uh, just incredible, Martin Luther, mm-hmm. we're talking, Isaac Watts, we're, we're talking hymns when they wrote stanzas about the glory of Jesus Christ. They wrote right. stanzas about death and dying. Yes. They wrote stanzas about heaven. You don't hear many songs about dying. Well, we're at a large conference that both of us attend every year, the National Religious Broadcasters, and you just gave devotions at one of the meetings, and it just touched my heart so much. You're so, you're so vulnerable all the time. You share the deepest part of who you are, and I think that's what endears you to people. I read a survey just recently, a secular survey. Uh, it was a millennial survey, and... Uh, the question was posed, why don't you talk? Why the social isolation? Why are people of this new young generation so isolated? Hmm. And the response was, I'm afraid. Really? Yeah. But then the researcher uh, posed an interesting comment. He said, uh, what, what would help you to, to generate a conversation? What, what would get you involved in a conversation? And they said, if somebody would just be themselves, if they'd just be real, if they'd share their brokenness, wow! That that would give them that would get them talking. Isn't it interesting in the age of, of social media that that's true? Wayne, you know me well. You have seen me over the years in this wheelchair. I've been in it for fifty three years. Twice I battled uh, with stage three cancer. Mm. Um, I deal with significant chronic pain. Mm-hmm. I have come to love God's word, hold fast to His promises, enjoy fellowship sweet fellowship with the Lord Jesus in my most horrible moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one time coming home from chemotherapy. It was the last time I struggled with it, and I was so sick. I was so nauseous. I was so weak. I'd lost so much weight. And Ken Tata, my husband, he was in the driver's seat uh, going down the 101 toward our home from the hospital, and I was tied down in the back. And we're having this conversation in the rearview mirror. We're talking about suffering. And I make this comment to him. I said, you know, I think that suffering is like a splash over hell. Hmm. It just kind of wakes us up out of our spiritual slumber. It gets us, you know, thinking about the actual hell from which Christ has rescued us. And so God gives us these little tastes of, of Hades, of hell, so that we might in some way be jerked awake to appreciate what he's done for us. Mm -hmm. And so that sparked the conversation. Well, then what are splash overs of heaven? If suffering is a splashover of hell, what are or splashovers of heaven? Those easy breezy bright days when all is well, the pain medication is working, all your bills are paid, you can explain, you explain your EOBs, all your ATM receipts are in order, you know everything is fine. The day is rosy, the sun is bright, the birds are singing, and we we. I said no, that's not. Those aren't splashovers of heaven. Splashovers of heaven are finding Jesus in your splashover of hell. And Wayne, I guess that's why I I, I am vulnerable before people, Mm. because so often it's so hard, and yet Jesus is so sweet Mm. in the midst of those hard times. And um, what I've come to know about him and his ability to sustain me and his identification with me and my suffering as my great high priest who empathizes. Oh my goodness, the coin is now flipped. 
it's so sweet now that I can identify with him. Mm-hmm. Sure, he identifies with us in our weakness. Yes. But boy, when you really suffer, yeah. how wonderful it is to identify with him. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm just in here more about that. I, earlier today, I heard you share, and I often think about you and all that you do. I wonder, how, how do you keep going? How do you get up and get going? Every, how do you go to the office and carry on the, you know, the lead role in the ministry that you have, Johnny and friends? And earlier today, you addressed that. You said, some days, it's hard. Very hard. You're in pain on your way to the office, for I instance. am. When I had to work every day, I've got this mantra from Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8, where the apostle says, and, and he prefaces it like this, he says, my brothers, do not forget this one thing. So, right there, you know what mm-hmm. he's about yeah, to say. Is this is important. important. Yeah. This is important. With the Lord, a day is as a thousand years, mm-hmm. and a thousand years are as a day. Mm-hmm. Now, we all know the adage that God looks at the last couple of thousand years is just a few days gone by. But flip the coin. He also looks at our days as a thousand years. Mm. So that means every day, every 24-hour slice of time, gives us this incredible opportunity to invest in a thousand years worth of eternity. And I'm a big believer that all my actions, all my words, my thoughts, my encouragements, my admonishments, my reproofs and corrections to people, my, my, my words of hope— Everything I do has a direct bearing on my capacity, stretching my capacity in heaven for joy and worship and service. Mm-hmm. And so, I look at my day as this one big opportunity in which to invest in my own eternal reward, which will in turn accrue to greater glory to right. Jesus Christ. So, every day is precious, isn't it, Wayne? Every day is a gift. Well, you were sharing that you verbalize God's promises as a way to overcome the pain in a sense. Yes, and you know, I hold him to him. <laughs> I think God delights when he looks down and sees his children get serious about his promises. Oh, this, 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 this child of mine means something here. He, he knows of what he speaks when he's holding on to this promise. I better, I'm going to listen up and pour out my Holy Spirit upon him. This child of mine is stepping into the shower of my mercy. So I, I, often I will say things to God like, um, your grace is sufficient. You promise it's sufficient. And you know what? You promise it's going to be sufficient right now for this need. So I expect you, Holy Spirit, mm. to give me energy. And I don't know where it's going to come from, but you're, you're going to see to it. You're going to come through for me because you're good on your word. And, and it, to talk that way to God, to engage him, to use each Bible promise as a battering ram, I think that's what Spurgeon called it, as a battering ram, as it were, to, to bust through the gates of heaven and open up those floodgates so that God will pour out his resources and his favor and his approval and his joy and his enablement. And, and it's all based on his promises. So often you'll hear me uh, say out loud, uh, you are my ever-present help in every trouble, Lord God. You, you will never leave me or forsake me. You, you are for me, not against me. Uh, you fight my battles. You, I, mean, I will constantly recurse to the Lord what I know to be true about We him. all should be verbalizing that yeah. when we don't even realize our need. Well, you know, it, life, I think that one of our adversaries' best strategies against us is to get us looking at life through the lenses of mediocrity, hmm. uh, through temporal lenses that that have us believing the lie that this life is the end-all, be-all, and it's not. No. Heaven is the bottom line for every Christian. And the few, what, 60, 70 years we enjoy, 80 years down here on earth, if we could only see in heaven ourselves looking back in the rearview mirror and thinking, ah, oh, smacking our foreheads. Man, why didn't I trust God more? 
Why didn't I believe more? Look at what my prayers accomplished. And they were so faint and feeble. Why didn't I pray more earnestly? Why did I not give more? Why wasn't I more generous? Look what my few pennies did over here. I, it could, so much more could have been done had only I. But the Bible tells us heaven is a place of no regrets. So each of us in our own capacity will have joy overflowing. Wayne, I just want my capacity to be large. I, I just want it to be a, a tanker-sized truck full of of capacity for enjoying God in eternity. I don't want a thimble full of joy in heaven. I don't want a glass full. I want a, I want a ship full. I, yeah, yeah, and I'm going to stretch my soul's capacity to believe God more, trust Him more, so that in heaven I'll have even more joy and opportunity to, to worship Him. What a delight and honor to have Johnny Erickson Tata with us on First Person, and we'll continue the conversation in a moment. Hi, I'm Ed Cannon, the president of the Far East Broadcasting Company, and I'd like to invite you to join us on our podcast, Until All Have Heard, where Wayne Shepherd and I will take you on a virtual tour around Christian ministry in the most unreached places in the world to see what God is doing through the ministry of the Far East Broadcasting Company. So listen to the new weekly podcast, Until All Have Heard, from FEBC. Listen at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast platforms, or go to febc.org. My guest is Johnny Erickson Tata. Uh, I don't need to introduce Johnny any further to you, but earlier you told me something about you that we didn't know. Now tell me something about Johnny and friends that we don't know, because this is a ministry that is much larger than I think most of us realize. Well, um, I, most people look at Johnny and Friends and they think of us as delivering wheelchairs, which we do, uh, hundreds of thousands of wheelchairs and Bibles to needy disabled people. Um, most of us think of the family retreats that we hold, both nationally and internationally, for uh, families struggling with disability in places where in Africa, a cerebral palsy is considered a curse mm. from a local witch doctor. There's so much social stigma and karma, a bad karma connected with disability. So, uh, we promote a biblical worldview when we do these programs. But what most people do not know about us is that we have a lively internship program that is growing leaps and bounds. Um, we have connections with some major Christian universities that have physical therapy departments, nursing departments, occupational therapy what departments. What a great thing. I love and, that. Yep, and we're doing capstone projects with these universities. We are their uh, tested internship opportunities for their students who are going for their master's or their doctorate degrees. Uh, we get young people who, who aren't sure what sort of major they want to declare in college, but they've got this cousin with Down syndrome. So maybe we'll intern with Johnny and friends for a summer. Well, when they spend a summer with us and we send them off to Uganda to deliver wheelchairs or, or to work at a family retreat in, uh, in Thailand or to serve with us locally uh, in special needs churches or, or, or just, just spend a week studying a biblical worldview of disability, oh my goodness, these young people end up declaring majors <laughs> in, in special ed or disability ministry. They, they want to serve families affected by disability. And to me, that's a way... That's a way of reaching a brand new generation. Mm -hmm. It's a way of energizing them. Here's a way to authenticate your, your faith. Get your hands dirty. Practice a little Christianity with the sleeves rolled up in wiping the drool of a kid with cerebral palsy and pushing the wheelchair and ministering to that special needs mom who feels lonely. You're thinking the future, this is going to outlast all of us then. Oh, I trust so. 
people aren't going to know me in the future. In fact, many people don't know me now. I go to some of our family retreats. In fact, Wayne, this was so cute. I was at one family retreat uh, last summer, and uh, I'm heading to the dining hall, wheeling up the path, and busting out of the dining hall comes a gag of giggling girls. They're young volunteers who are serving with us at that retreat. And they pass me, and I hear one of them say, who's that? <laughs> and I hear another say, well, I think her name's Joni, and she has something to do with this camp, but I'm not sure what. <laughs> I love that. It proves to me that um, the success of our ministry does not depend on my persona, mm. nor does it depend on my presence. Yeah. I'm not one of these founder visionaries who you know, gets all parochial and holds things tightly to my fist. You're not doing things my way. You know, look, as long as we're holding true to our distinctives, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is presented, that we are upholding the sovereignty of God over the most heinous disabilities and suffering. As long as we are promoting that, then I'm happy. As long as the Bible is preeminent, I'm happy. And thankfully, we've got folks in place, young people in place, who just are as, just as passionate about it as I am. One of the most touching things I see when I, I see you on YouTube or whatever is when you are in contact with a, a young person, perhaps with some sort of some form of disability, or Down syndrome, and the way you interact with these folks. I mean, it's just so touching. Well, these are my inspirational role models. My inspirational role models, sure, might be Elizabeth Elliot or, or Billy Graham or Corey Ten Boom or Mother Teresa, and I could go on and on listing well-known people that we all admire. But the people I admire are the young guys with cerebral palsy who are believers, and they live in residential facilities, and it's kind of a dreary existence. Yeah, their minds are so sharp. And they love the Bible. They, they do online Bible training. They, they persevere. They endure. They keep their smile despite a very challenging existence where sometimes their families have even abandoned them. Hmm. They, these are the ones who I look to and I love. I was telling you earlier, uh, Wayne, about a, a private Facebook page that I have called Johnny's Pain Pals. I haven't met most of those people on that Facebook page, but we have been connecting on that page for about five or six, seven years. All of us live with intractable pain. Some of us live around the world, but we share essays from John Owen. We share essays from Spur Spurgeon, Horatius Bonar, John Piper, John Blit. I mean, we, we just inspire and encourage one another, pray specifically about each other's upcoming operations. We don't talk about our scars and, yeah. and, and this oh, is not the kind of thing me. you put on in a press release. This no. is just something you do from your heart. Absolutely. And uh, these are the, again, the people who are my role models of inspiration. I love connecting with them because I, I'm fed by their own testimonies and stories of perseverance. It's mm -hmm. wonderful. Mm -hmm. And then the encouragement you give to those who are caregivers of folks with disabilities. That, that's an important role as well. I wish my husband were here right now and he'd tell you all about it. Uh, he is quite the caregiver, and uh, I, I've got a philosophy in that I want uh, my caregivers to know that when they help me, they are serving the Lord Jesus. You know, real quickly, Wayne, if you were to imagine yourself that day at Calvary, that dark, rainy afternoon when Christ was crucified, and imagine yourself there huddling with the others, and everybody else has abandoned Jesus but you, and it's pouring down rain, and, and your tears are weeping as well. And, and you look up and you hear your Savior say, I thirst, I'm thirsty. Mm. I mean, what one of us wouldn't have run back down to Jerusalem to grab a hose, get a glass of lemonade, <laughs> dig a well, but do anything <laughs> to give Jesus a drink? We're not going to give him a, 
vinegar soaked on a sponge. I mean, this is our Savior up there on the cross. And yet, history's written, and it can't be changed. But maybe it can, because in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus himself says, if you give a drink to the thirsty, to the hungry, to the poor, the disadvantaged, you have inasmuch done it to me. So we can still give Jesus that drink, uh, and, and it's by serving among people with disabilities. This is the rich reward that caregivers are accruing when they look at their loved one with a godly perspective, with a, with a heavenly perspective. Um, they are serving Jesus. Mm. And I know my husband feels the same way when he, mm. everything from wiping my nose to wiping my backside to giving me a drink to getting me dressed to, I mean, my husband does a lot, as do the girls who also assist me. And they are accruing for themselves. They are laying up treasures in an eternity that's going to be so much happier. Because we do know that in heaven there are degrees of, of joy, as it were. There are some who are be, to be considered great in the kingdom of heaven, some who will be lesser in the kingdom of heaven, and it all has to do with the way you live on earth. And, 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 and nobody's going to be envious up there because, as I said earlier, we'll all have our vessel completely filled, whether it's a thimble-sized vessel of joy or a tanker truck-sized vessel of joy. You know, but, but the degree of that vessel's capacity depends on how we serve down here on earth. So, I'm looking at my girlfriends who helped me, uh, and I'm thinking, boy, they're, they're stretching their vessels. <laughs> they're stretching their capacity for eternity's joy in a wonderful way because they're serving mm. as God would want them to. Mm. Okay, bonus question, Johnny. Are you still uh, drawing and painting? This is a hard question to answer because it, the answer is basically, I can't. Oh. Uh, my pain is such that and the girls know it, when I even go to sign my autograph on a page of a book now, my head shakes so bad because of the pain. Mm. And I, I just don't have the physical wherewithal to get my head kirkerdurkered in these odd angles to reach certain corners of the canvas and the constant repetition of certain strokes on the canvas. It's, 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 it's very hard for me. And that is... Uh, that that is something that uh, I would imagine it's a loss in your it life. Is. It breaks it? my yeah. heart. However, yeah. God's good because now I am Microsoft's expert at Dragon Naturally Speaking voice activation <laughs> software. I mean, I am so good Aren't at Dragon Naturally for the Speaking. Technology, huh? Oh my goodness, what I can do with my my voice activation dictating it just would just stun you. <laughs> and I can order things off Amazon. And I can go navigate through Google. I can I can correspond with friends around the world. I have so much freedom and independence. Uh, at my monitor, and so I'm grateful that what, when God takes away uh, something, he will give something else if we can but see it as a gift from his hand. She always has such a positive outlook in the midst of her pain and suffering. What a gift Johnny Tata is to all of us, teaching us invaluable lessons from her wheelchair. Of course, I'm sure she would say it's not her, but Christ in her that makes that possible. There are many resources and helpful programs available to us through Johnny and Friends. We'll place a link to her website in our program notes at firstpersoninterview.com. Take some time to read about the many facets of Johnny's ministry when you follow the link at firstpersoninterview.com. Also, our friends at the Far East Broadcasting Company have a brand new website we'd love to share with you, febc.org. While it's a new design, you can still view video testimonies of people around the world who are following Christ as a result of FEBC's broadcasts. The new website also links you with FEBC Today, the radio program featuring President Ed Cannon. FEBC, until all have heard. Visit febc.org. 
Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening, and be sure to join us next time right here for First Person.